Ladies and gentlemen, it's 1991 and the life of one Natalie Bohensky is about to get amazing. It's about to burst into the stratosphere with colour and action and adventure and romance. Things are about to change in a way that will prove fundamentally important to the rest of her life. Also, Stu is here. But <laughs> that sounds like I'm being reductive. We are in Robin On territory, the Raven On podcast subsection Robin Hood analysis critical theory thingy <laughs> subsection whatnot. We have been watching all of the Robin Hood movies. Well, not all, but most of them. You know what I mean. Pretty much as a justification to get to this moment. The moment that is, I would argue, the peak of Hollywood cinema. <laughs> Take your godfathers. Take your Jaws and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Take your Gone with the Wind. Well, Gone with the Wind can stay. Controversial view, I know. But I, I love it. You know, take your masterpieces. Take all that. Throw them in a bin. Throw them in the bin. Because the king has arrived. This is Robin On. And we are here to talk about the classic, the epic, the amazing, superlative, the indescribable... Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And with me as all, I'm doing an especially long intro because I'm going to be playing the overture to the theme of this. And hopefully I'm going to time it's like... French horns. French horns. I love them. Give them to me. With me as always to dissect these pop culture pearls is a man who absolutely wants to live on a river with a stick that he's carved out of a young sapling, beating up rich people for their money, tossing them into lakes, drinking mead, building tree houses. God, he knows it's a good life. Let's get to it. It's Stuart Lake! Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. You're saying, you say that like, you say that like I'm, you're joking, and that sounds great. <laughs> I know. Beating up rich people and living in a treehouse? It's amazing. I said, so this is a very special live, <laughs> in-person Robin on, because I said to Stu, we should get together and watch Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. Yes. We should get together and just have a day. And Stu very fortunately happened to be on holidays. And so it's like, yes, this is our day's purpose. It was purpose. meant to be. This is our way. life's mission. <laughs> uh, and so we watched this film together. And when they started building the treehouses... In the, in the montage, because there's a montage. Because classic films have a montage. Absolutely. And uh, I said to Stu, I said, look, look at this socialist utopia. <laughs> look at these people banding together to build the ultimate treehouse in the forest. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this is, well I, I said to you, this is a 10-year-old's dream. Like, like oh. it's, it's just perfect. When you see this movie as a kid, which we both did... Oh. You just see that you're like, I want to live in a treehouse. I house. want to live in a treehouse. Look tree at those treehouses. And learn archery. Absolutely. This is all I want in my life now. <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah. Ride horses, live in the forest, dance by the fire. You know, I could give or take the whole weird, is it a cesarean pregnancy emergency? <laughs> Don't need that. We'll get to that. We'll get but to that. It's just, ah, oh, this movie. Stu. Hey, Ned, this is a pretty good movie. <laughs> It, it, this is a good one. Immediate, inst- like, 
all my life, I feel like I've been fighting people about this movie. And people... It had a terrible reputation at the time. I think it was very... Um, it was adored by people who watched it. Was it was a blockbuster. But critically, there was a lot of middling reviews, wasn't there? I, like A lot of it all stems from Kevin Costner's accent. Sure. It just The first point of criticism is always like, <laughs> some American playing this famous English folk <laughs> hero. And don't get me wrong, this is definitely Robin Hood by way of Hollywood. Yeah, like, of this course is, it you is. Know, but there's a reason why Hollywood is successful at, <laughs> at least some of the time. They know how to make an adventure yeah. sometimes. It just captivates me every time I watch this film. And it has been a number of years since I've sat down and, and watched it. Me too. It's been a long time. And it was great. It's it's genuinely a very enjoyable movie. It is a romp. Yeah, absolutely. Which and a Robin Hood movie should be. Yes. A Robin Hood movie should be a fun, swashbuckly romp, which is yes. what this is. But this movie is grounded in a relative reality. Sure. You know, people aren't in tights. and they, <laughs> no, they they're not. They talked about that at the time, not wanting to, you know, put people in tights. Kevin Costner, not keen on the, you know, sure. 35 denier. Uh, <laughs> sheer. Uh, yes. What do they call What are they? Razzmatazz. Uh, yes, was, yeah, yeah. I was trying to reach for a brand of stocking stew and you didn't come in. So I, I don't, you I'm know, unfamiliar with stocking you know, brands. <laughs> There's Razzmatazz, there's Ambra, uh, I don't know. We live in Brisbane. I don't wear pantyhose that often. (laughs) It's like, really? I have to put these on? What is going on? (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, just, it's like, this is a 10 out of 10. This is a 20 out of 10 movie. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't go that far. I know you would. I know this is, this may be your favorite movie ever, like. When Dan and I did the Best Pick Pod and we did Titanic and they asked us what are our favorite films. And I actually said Some Like It Hot right. uh, and Gone With The Wind. A fine film. You know. But I think I said at In one your point, heart of hearts. Yeah, I think I said at one point it's like my, my absolute, I guess you'd call it guilty pleasure. But I don't like to say guilty pleasure because it's like, it's not guilt. I have no guilt about liking Robin Hood. <laughs> you can't shame me. You can't Robin Hood shame me. So I, I love this film. And, and so it's like, yeah, okay, but. You know, Some Like It Hot hits the kind of critical mix as well as... Sure. You know, but I think maybe I said Robin Hood, but we had technical troubles and so I just went from the start and I said, Absolutely. I'll just say Some Like It Hot. But yeah, I'm not ashamed to say this is in my top three films. Absolutely. Well, well, that's like mine where someone says, what's your favourite film of all time? And I'll say something like, oh, Magnolia or Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or something. I'll be like, oh, you know... An interesting one, but like something that is critically something, acclaimed. Something that shows that you're a deep, thoughtful man. Absolutely. My actual favourite movie is, of course, the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic Commander, <laughs> which we've talked about before, which is a, a perfect movie. And I, and, and I mean that. It. I mean that okay. entirely sincerely. Yeah. It is a perfect movie. We, I have to come over another day and <laughs> yes. we'll watch Commando. We'll do the Commando. And, and podcast about it. We should do the films of Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. Yeah. You know? that's, that's, that's a thing. Schwarzenegger on? Schwarzenegger on? Neger on? No, no, that could be too slippery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> I just realised what I said. <laughs> just want to point out, I'm just shortening the name Arnold just, Schwarzenegger. We're, we're backing away from that just rapidly. Away. Um, but yes, no, I mean, like, this movie has been critically panned for many years, and I feel like there's been a bit of a reclamation of it more recently, although there was, okay. there was quite, fa- quite famously, was it earlier this year or late last year, where there was that Guardian uh, article trashing this movie out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, just, just that's right. Completely out of nowhere. No one was talking about this movie. It came out in 1991. It's just sort of been bubbling oh, along. It was, it was probably like because the, of the 30 year. It was the 30 year yeah. anniversary or something. And, and and someone wrote an article in the Guardian, basically taking it to pieces with the most snooty nosed like uh, critique I've ever seen in my life about how oh it's just ridiculous and all the all the standard things that are always leveled against a movie like this. And like honestly, like my point comparing it with Commando is that. These, this isn't high art. This is popcorn blockbuster stuff. Yeah. But it's it's so well done. Like, a, a, an attention to detail of just, like, the plot, the direction of the film, everything looks good. You know? Like, it's not, it's not Shakespeare, but it's just really, really well-made action, fun, adventure film. Yeah, this is the headline. Robin Hood... Prince of Thieves at 30, a joyless hit that should yes. stay in the 90s. Yes, that's Kevin right. Costner made for a charmless and embarrassingly miscast <laughs> local legend in a dark and chaotic mess that audiences in 1991 adored. Yeah, yeah, audiences in 1991 adored. That's right. Just, ah. Uh. <laughs> like, okay, maybe you could have gotten a different actor who would have been a, a possibly a better Robin Hood. But he wasn't a bad Robin Hood. No. He wasn't... Honestly, having just watched it, he was perfectly fine. Especially yeah. having just watched the other Robin Hood movie that came out in yes. 1991. Yes, yes, yes. With uh, uh, what's Patrick his name? Pat- Patrick Bergen. plays the title role in that and honestly, not in not in the same league. Yeah. Really. You would you would agree, I imagine. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's got some spunk to him in a, in a, this weird kind of devilish grin stuff that Kevin Costner doesn't have, which is interesting. He, he has an edge to him. Yes. But in the wrong direction, I feel. It's not roguish, it's just dickish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Kevin Costner comes in... His Robin Hood is a proud man who yes. has been forced into humbleness, into humility, mm. and has that kind of recognised through. He's he's arrogant yeah. and up himself, and he learns that, oh, wait, actually there's a bigger purpose than just me and my personal vendetta. Yeah. And that's in this film, and it's there, sure. and it's fine. He's a bit cheeky. He's yep. He's great. <laughs> Stop bagging Kevin Costner. We're getting far too defensive too early. Do you want to start? I don't want to be defensive about this film. I want to be joyful exactly. and joyous and loving and uplifting. And in that in that tone, in on that note, do you want to start maybe with how you first saw this this movie? Yeah, Natalie? I do. I do. <laughs> it was 1991. <laughs> the time. The was time was 1991. There had just been, I think, the Russian coup, and Gorbachev <laughs> had had left. Right. The Soviet Union was kind of in that last stages of Of dying. course, before the war, the war came down. And my family, my mother, father, brother and I, all went overseas for our extended family vacation. Like oh, right, two okay. months overseas. Yeah. I remember I had to take schoolwork with me. Uh, my dad had to do pilot training in both Rhode Island mm-hmm. in America and then Southampton in England and also Poland. So he had these oh. like three different places to do pilot training. Oh, that's fun. And what they do is some of it was on the sea, but others of it, like I remember the one in Poland was on a lake, yeah. like an inland lake thing. And they had like small replica boats. Right. It's a weird, it was a weird replica. It was like driving toy trains right. or something, but they were toy boats. That, but I mean, don't bigger boats like move yeah, very but differently I guess, to I don't know. Boats? I guess it was some kind of theories or something like that. And they're demonstrating okay. the principles. Maybe it scales up. I don't know. All I remember from that, the one in Poland <laughs> right. is one day looking out and looking up the hill towards like the sort of the fence line in the forest. And there was Kevin Costa. No, there oh. was a, a soldier. 
Oh, okay. There was a soldier, and I don't know. I I thought it was a Russian soldier, but I don't know the Polish uniform. It could have been a Polish soldier, but there was a bla- a very fair blonde man, right, wearing like a khaki camel hat with a red band on it, yeah. and a camel uniform with a red. And he was smiling down at us, right, like just looking down and smiling. Now maybe it was a ghost. Now that I say that, I've never thought that. <laughs> I've never thought that before. Maybe. I mean, I've never had an encounter with ghosts and I just freaked myself out. Maybe <laughs> maybe it was a ghost. Because I remember looking back up and he had gone. So I just assumed it was a soldier who'd passed by or was walking by. I mean, like, to why be fair, this does sound very much like a ghost story. But anyway. It that's, does, yeah. doesn't it? Oh my God. Maybe I have seen a ghost. <laughs> maybe it was like the ghost of my granddad because he was Polish. But I don't know that he would have been wearing that colored uniform because he was a sailor, not an army. This guy looked like an army guy. But we also went as part of that trip. The reason why we took longer is we would take the longer time. So we would go and stay hmm. with family as well. Yeah, and sure. visit yeah, different places. So, you know, dad took us to Disneyland and then we went to Rhode Island for a week and he went and did his training and yeah. we stayed in Rhode Island and just tooled about all these great big fancy, you know, Rhode Island is where all the rich New Yorkers yeah. had yeah, their that's the, What massive... would they call it? Martha's Vineyard or something up there or whatever. It's, uh, that's that way. I don't yeah. think that's right. But yeah, it's that way. And yeah. they all have these massive houses. So we just kind of toured big fancy houses for a week. And then we went to Southampton. But then we went, uh, sorry, we went to Ireland first to mm. see my mum's family. And we were staying with my mum's family in Balnagar, just outside right. of Tullamore. Very in, nice. in Near where she grew up. Her sister still lives there. And she has two daughters. Mm. Had two, she still has them, I assume. I think they both live in Australia now, actually. I never see them. I have so many first cousins who live in Australia. And I wouldn't, if I passed them in the street, I couldn't tell you. Uh, joys of an Irish family. But Sally Ann was 18 at the time. Jill was 16 and I was 10. And they were the most grown up girls. Yes. Like when you how, how old were you? 10. You were 10. Approaching 11. And right. I remember just thinking they were so grown up and so sophisticated and yep. so... And Sally Ann, she had recently been to see Robin Hood and was in love with Kevin Costner and said, we should all go see this movie. And I right. was like, I want to see the movie. <laughs> so I, we all went along and I remember my mum buying wine gums or someone had wine gums. You know, those really hard, tacky wine gum, like the old yeah. school. And I remember being like, eh, they're not lollies, eh. And we sat in this cinema and it was like... A, a sort of an old school one screen cinema, the local cinema. It wasn't like a big oh, wow. entertainment complex. Yeah. And I remember they had colored lights that like floated across the roof. So you lie back and you saw like bubbles, right. just this weird lighting effect on the roof. And then the movie started and it was so from minute one with that overture yeah. and the Bayer tapestry and and I was just captivated and I loved it. So I think part of the reason I loved it is because you know, my older cousin loved it and I wanted to be like her, you know, sure. so I, there's a sentimental attachment there, of course. Yeah. But you can't deny that it, I saw other movies as a kid that didn't affect me the way Robin Hood, Prince no, of Thieves that's did. Right. It was sort of a perfect Natalie movie. Yes. It was history. Like I know. It's right, right at the history. right age too. Right, right, right yeah. at history. I loved history. I loved action. I love swords and, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. So it just was the, my wheelhouse was flowering. Wait, no, that's <laughs> mixed metaphor. My wheelhouse door was opening and I drove the boat right on in. That again, seems, <laughs> seems to be all lot, sorts of, of innuendo. A lot of awakening imagery. Yeah, a lot yeah. of awakening imagery. And I don't remember, I remember kind of going like, oh, I love Kevin Costner after that, which I don't think I, I think that was a kind of a put on of, sure. I'm 10. I don't really know yeah. what I'm talking about. I, I don't about. understand who Kevin Costner is. Yeah. I've seen him in Robin Hood. But he, I love Robin Hood yeah. and it, you know, it was really fun. 
And so when we then went to England a couple of weeks later and yeah. stayed with English family and I was talking about this movie and they're like, oh, we haven't seen that. It's it's apparently it's popular. So we should all go. And I made everybody go and see it again. Right. So I saw it again in England, I think in uh, near where my other family who still live all in uh, Hemel Hempstead, not not far from London. So, so, you saw, so you saw it once in Ireland. Once in once England. Once in England. And then by the time we got back to Australia, I think it was out. Because this was back in the day, remember, it when would, movies would take, would take six months, a year. So I don't recall seeing it at the cinema in Australia, but I know that I either rented it or bought it on VHS. Sure. And then eventually it came on the TV and I taped it off the TV and then yeah. watched that to <laughs> Until the tape fell and apart. And when we were in Poland, I, yeah. because Poland at the time had a big black market in um, oh, right. rip-off rip tapes. Yes. You remember cassette tapes? Yep. Remember yep. cassette tapes? Yeah. And when on this trip, our parents had bought us Walkmans. Oh, okay. I don't know if they were official Sony Walkmans or some other brand maybe Panasonic Walkmans or something, yeah. but we had cassette Walkmans because we were doing a lot of driving. Sure. So I think it was, you know, how to keep the kids quiet, give them their own little <laughs> device. And I bought for, you know, about $2, uh, probably less in Poland, a black uh, market. What's the word? A, a, rip, a, a Like an audio tape. A pirated, or... yeah, a pirated copy of the Robin Hood soundtrack on tape. Oh, the soundtrack. Right, yeah. okay, yes. So of the soundtrack. So it right. was a pirated copy. Sure. And I had that in my Walkman and ran it all the time and when nice. I when I wasn't listening to it on my Walkman I made my parents put it in the car radio and we'd all sing along to Brian Adams everything I do I do for you <laughs> it was just so great and I still like I think that's the thing sometimes I still get those fixations where I'm just watching a show to kind of disappear into it yeah. for a while and weirdly enough I was telling Stu I'll let you talk soon Stu I realise I'm rambling but not at all I for reasons I don't quite this, know this is how, like this is like Natalie Begins right now this is, Na- this is Natalie's <laughs> origin story <laughs> I can't really remember a pop culture property affecting me before this as much. Ninja Turtles was really fun. I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. That was kind of when I was getting into The Simpsons. It happened, but I didn't. I was too young to get the jokes. It took a few yeah, more years absolutely. to really understand. Oh, jokes, references. Yeah, not just, not just Bart doing silly things. Yeah, it yeah. was like, oh, this is commentary and satire. Mm. I had loved Blackadder already mm-hmm. as a comedy. And probably Yes Minister and a, and a few other little things, but the the level of like disappearing into stuff, yeah, which is is something that I think we all do. You all kind of get, <laughs> some, but so I sometimes just fixate on something. Yeah. And recently, and I don't know why. And judge me if you like, judge me if you like. <laughs> I've been watching <laughs> on BritBox. I've been watching Vera, <laughs> <laughs> which is. Brenda Blethyn as a sort of rascally. She's, she looks like a lady you see down the garden center. Yes. Like, like she's, she's a, yeah. she's a sort of a crotchety detective. So she's super, super smart, kind of very blunt, hard of gold, but blunt and a bit. Is she an actual detective or is she yeah, one of those yeah. like amateur stuff? No, no, no. Detective? She's, a, she's, she's like a, a police detective. And she dresses inspector. like that. Yeah. Because <laughs> like with an old anorak. Yeah. 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 Because stuff. it's not about, she's not in any way about fashion or how she looks. It's right. all about solving mysteries and dealing with people. And I guess you and get so plenty of male versions of that. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah. Of course you do. Like the disheveled, yeah. you know, and she, it's not that she's disheveled. She's always got clothes on, but she just doesn't. It's like, it's like you get up in the morning and go pair of pants, shirt, socks, shoes, done, go. Sure. So you might be wearing two matching socks that matching socks and pants that yeah, you know, like you just don't care yeah. it's, it's not that she's she's just like there's no i'm not here to be judged on my looks i'm here to for, for my brain sure she's yes. an actual police detective so she's always asking for dna and forensic sweeps and all this sort of stuff <laughs> but she calls everyone pet and she's got the geordie accents oh no love one i know you didn't mean to murder him with the cricket bat. <laughs> 
<laughs> she's got this very she's got this very sort of girlish sing song voice, but at the mm. same time she's like really hard. Yeah. And it's just it's all filmed up around Northumbria, which is northeast England, and this the landscape is so beautiful. And it's just like escape. It's kind of escapism. Yeah. You know, brutal totally. murder, English people all hiding secrets. Sure. It's all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like a total switch off kind of show disappearing into the countryside. And I was watching it the other day and I went, I know that tree and that wall. That's from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> and so there's the bit where he and uh, Robin Hood and Azim, Morgan Freeman are walking home. And of course they take the most circuitous route from yes, Dover to Nottingham, Dover right to Nottingham. up to Hadrian's Wall <laughs> in the northeast. And there they are in Vera. There's this dip and it's so recognisable. It's got this big oak tree. I think it's an oak. But it's I mean, a, it's a very it's a very picturesque spot. Yeah, so you can see a, why they Yeah, it. oh yeah. It's a big dip down and then the wall climbs back up again. Mm. And there's a big tree in the middle of it. And it's a key scene in, in Robin Hood. And it's a very distinctive place. And there it was in Vera. And I just went, oh my God, it's a sign. We're about to do Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. <laughs> It follows me to this day. Anyway, how did you first see Robin Hood, Stu? Do um, you remember? I, I know that I saw this a lot of times on video. Um, I don't know whether we, we rented it to start with and then recorded it off the TV or something, but I definitely had a copy of this that I watched fairly regularly. Like, you know, I would always watch it when I was on TV. I had I remember seeing it multiple times, basically. Mm. I remember seeing it a lot of times in a row, which means we must have taped it from something. Yes. Yeah, so... I remember when we were watching it just now... Like there are bits and pieces where I was like, "That was the ad break. That was the ad yeah, break. Yeah, that yeah. was the ad break. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of because that's where I'd like pause it, yeah. take the ads out, restart it. That's again. it exactly. So there's a bit Classic like, trip. oh, there's a bit here. That's the ad break. The bit where he's swinging across and the rope breaks and he drops into the hay. Ad break. But also, I mentioned <laughs> I mentioned to you that we must have had a TV edit because there was a shot of Robin's dad's corpse like swinging in a mm. cage. That I had no memory of. Mm. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I've, I've never seen that before. Yeah. It turns out what I've seen is the TV edit. And of course, overall, there was a, a longer edit. Yes. Because it was cut back for theatrical release. Sure. And when I bought the DVD in the early 2000s, which is a double-sided DVD, like you literally have to wow. take it out, turn it over, put it back in. <laughs> and it's got 12 extra minutes Of content, which goes far more into the whole Sheriff of Nottingham was a devil worshipper, you know, Satanist. Yeah, I've seen all that stuff. And there's also him talking to the barons and there's a lot more about his plan is is kind of fleshed out a bit more. Yeah. And there's, yeah, so there's much more Alan Rickman and I was reading an article the other day, just after we did our other podcast actually, uh, about Robin Hood with Patrick Bergen. The theory was is that Alan Rickman was stealing the show too much so they cut more of him out to put yeah. more of Kevin Costner in. But that seems to be a bit of a, you know, Hollywood rumour. It was more that it was a bit too dark and... Well, having seen all the stuff, like, they're not missing anything from this movie. No, like, no. It's, they, it's fine. What they cut is fine. But <coughs> the, the, the strange revelation that the witch is actually, like, the Sheriff of Nottingham's mother, mother. Yeah, You yeah. don't need that for the movie. No. That's just extraneous it, stuff. It gives you a bit of extra oomph into why he's so upset with her at the end. And he's like, I want something pure once in my life. Because <laughs> he has this sort of very full-on scene where she says, you know, you're my son, but I, yeah. I stole the, the child of, you know, your parents and replaced them with you so you would have a better life mm. and you can rise and become something. So that it sort of explains a little bit why he's messed up but also he can just be messed up he's he's insane he's insane and we'll talk about him um 
So should we go to our minute challenge? Let's do it. And I think uh, I think I went first last time. So uh, by all means... No, I went first last I'll, time. Oh, did we? Okay. I think you should go first. Okay. All right. Well, let's do mine. Yeah. My mind's pretty short. So the first thing on my list is just mullet. Uh, because <laughs> Kevin Costa's hair in this is glorious. It's feathered debuggery. It is feathered. It's... it's uh, it's sort of the updated mullet from the eighties. It very much is, yeah. It's that it's that early nineties mullet. It's not like a full Yeah. It's not a full mullet, but it's definitely party at the back. It's sort of a precursor to what they're doing now. Have you heard of this wolf, the wolf cut? Oh god. It's kind no. of like a, a mini. Is this mullet? another thing that's gonna make me feel terribly old and out of touch? Yeah, but you look at it and you go, yeah, I'm fine not having that haircut. Yeah, I'm f- yeah, yeah. It's like a weird sort of updated mullet version thing. Right, and they're okay. calling it a wolf cut. Sure. Whatever, man. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. So, if it's short on the sides and long at the back, it's a mullet. Yeah, uh, it's just a variation of a mullet. Yeah, exactly. Great, great hair. Great hair. Uh, next item on my list, Morgan Freeman uh, is in this oh. movie and he's great. Uh, even though he has a far less of a role than I remember. I remember him, like, watching him as a kid being, like, utterly mesmerised by his performance because he's great in this movie. He's so good. Um, but he... And he has this... He has this wonderful, like, dignity but also, like, a real, like, roguish charm to him. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. like, the interplay between him and Robin is really great. Yeah. And they're, they're, there's a lot of really good stuff between them at the start of the film and then as soon as they get to Sherwood Forest, it's kind of like... And also and also Azim is there. You know? Yeah, like, he kind of fades so. into the background a bit. Um, which is a shame. I, I forgot that that happened. His role is just to, he has to save Robin's life. And yes. then he needs to obviously save his life at the end of the film. Yes. So he could have probably <laughs> saved his life and probably did several million times before that. Yeah. But we need to have his major one at the end. Well, so you've he... got to kind of string him, I guess, a little <clears throat> bit. But they he have... He does the... help out. He creates the powder that they use in the explosives. He's the one who's got the telescope. He's this the is one what who... I mean about he's being the a good... Yeah, he, he is. He's got catches. A little bit. He, he becomes the cue of the team. <laughs> Um, but this is what I mean about this this movie being really well told and, and really well written because you're right. Like they save that he he deliberately they make it a running gag throughout the film that he's not going to save him yet. So he yeah. just sort of lets Robin get himself out of situations. He's like, I'll choose when I'm going to save your life. Yeah. And then right at the end, he bursts through the door and kills the witch. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, he's done. Like, like it's just. They they don't do that anymore. That they, yeah. they there's, there's not that level of craft in story in screenwriting. Mm. I feel anyway, except for very good movies. Like mm. like it's just the, that that was the base standard for yes. a, a trashy blockbuster. Yes, was to have that level of craft yeah. that I feel like elevates it above ninety percent of movies that are coming out today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's really telling that yeah. I'm that I'm just like, oh, it's so well written in yes. that it has set up and payoff. Yes, and everything that they set up has a payoff. Yeah. So every little everything. detail, the the sword that the sheriff gives Marion, the little dagger, she, the little dagger, sorry, that you know the sheriff gives Marion, uh, she ends up giving to. He Robin engineers his own downfall because he gives it to her yeah. in like this weird little little like, power play, and yeah. then ends up stabbing him in the heart. In the heart. The statue that the sheriff has made of himself as a vanity yes. thing ends up being used as a as a ramrod. Yeah, that they use and, it as a battering ram to try and, and get the door down. Yeah, and its head comes off. Just lots of little setups mm. pay off. Yeah. Every, everything comes back. Everything is satisfyingly ticked off. Yes. For me. Absolutely. So, yeah. Back to um, the list. The so. next item on my list, uh, and I mentioned this to you while we were watching it, but I found it absolutely fascinating because I'd forgotten that it happened. Which is that Robin? Robin wins the fight between him and yeah. Little John, right yeah. now. Now, in the in the legendary version of the Robin Hood stories, in every single version that we've seen up till now, Robin Hood loses the fight against Little John. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. Right. Is that he is cocky 
and tries to beat Little John, and Little John hands him his ass, yes. and he's like, "You're a good guy. Let's let's join my band of merry men." Yes. In this one, they kind of split the difference because Little John beats him like twice, yes. and then Robin beats him a third time. Yes, he gets and up and keeps going. He gets yeah. up and he beats him a third time, and then Little John's like, "Oh, you beat me. Ah, oh, come on, right?" And, and it's kind of weird because. We have a situation where Little John is kind of the leader of this band of outlaws instead of Robin Hood. So mm. you don't have Little John coming in and joining a group. Yes, yes. You have Robin Hood joining a group. So they kind of have to switch it that way. But I also thought, and I wondered if this was the case, that it's it's a it's such a Hollywood thing that like the hero of the story can't really lose that fight. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like I wonder if it's a bit of, or it might even be Kevin Costner sort of saying or something. You know something. Yeah, maybe there was a. I don't want to look like an idiot losing yeah. the fight. Like I'll, 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 I'll get knocked down, but I'll get up again. Yes, yes. And and. But I also think like he definitely gets <coughs> beaten more. He gets beaten up more. He gets beaten by Little John twice. He does. Tipped yeah. over twice down various things. Sure. And it's only at the very end when I, I would argue that Little John beats him in the fight. But yes. Robin, after he falls over the waterfall the second time, he swims around. He somehow knows mm. how to swim underwater <laughs> around to where little John is standing, kind of stabbing the water with his staff. Yeah. Um, that's not a euphemism. Uh, <laughs> and thinking, well, he was a good, he was a good opponent, but uh, oh well, I've, yep. got his, I've got his necklace. And Robin surfaces behind him with his staff, whacks it up between his legs, yep. nutshot, Robin falls back into the water, uh, sorry, Little John falls back into the water. Robin Abel is able to grab him and dunk him and like, do you yield? Do you yield? And he's like, yeah. I can't bloody swim. So Robin doesn't win via brute force. He wins by craftiness. Sure, exactly. Which yeah. is kind of in its own way a tribute to the fox-like nature of, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I just found it fascinating that this is the first version that we've seen where technically Robin wins that fight. Yes. Right? Yes. In every other version that we've yeah. seen, every single one. Yeah. The whole point is that Little John beats Robin. And, and Robin's not embarrassed by that or no, shamed. He yeah. loves the fact he that loves someone's the fact. beat. Yeah, he's yeah. like, hey, you beat me. You should come join me. We're yeah. going like, to like raise hell. Yes. And instead in this one, it's the opposite. It, yeah. It's like, you know, Little John is like, oh, you know, you know, oh, you gave me a, you gave me a good run. Come on, let's yeah. you know, come, 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 come drink meat in the forest. Yes. You know, that's just really interesting. I just it like is, yeah. at this point in the watch, having those little wrinkles is actually really fascinating. Mm. That's my point. No, um, <laughs> agree. Um, the next item on my list is uh, I'll cut his heart out with a spoon. Ah! Which How was could I forget to write that down? A great line, a classic line, and also a good way to talk about uh, the, the late, great Alan Rickman. My God. This is the first movie I saw him in, which makes sense sure. given I think it's only like his second or third I after think it Die was, Hard. Yeah, it was one of his so, first movies, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this would have been after Die Hard, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Die Hard was 89, and this came out in 91. So I think, right, it, was, okay. I think it was filmed in sort of late 90, early 91. He is obviously having the time of his life He's just on this movie. loving it. Yeah. Just, He's just like, I'm going to be a villain. I think I did read that once, a quote from Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, who plays Maid Marian, is maybe it was in that article or something mm. about Robin Hood, but saying, you know, I would have loved to have been in the movie he was in because he was in <laughs> a different movie. But the thing is, is that I, I still... People talk about it being like not sewn together, but I think he is proper villain. He's a proper he, baddie. I, I mean, I mentioned this to you when we were watching it, but he walks on screen and he is instantly in full supervillain mode. Mm. Right, and he, he's got the cos—he's all in black. 
He's making, he's building statues to himself already. He's like, got, you know, he's got a, a woman who is most definitely not into it, sitting on the floor, <laughs> and he's trying to be all seductive and playful, and she's looking like she's going to be sick, physically yeah. sick. Yeah. Like you immediately know he is the grossest human alive. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's to its credit because hmm. what we saw in the Robin Hood with Patrick Bergen is you have Baron de Gur, who's kind yes. of a. I actually like Robin. He's my friend, but now I have to uphold the peace, the Norman peace. And he's sort of between. And a then rock you've and got Miles Falconet, who's yeah. just kind of this slightly impotent, like, "Give me men! I want to! Oh, I want to be like." They're not. But who's like genuinely in love with with Marion and wants to marry her and put Is her he in a in castle? Love or just you know? Well, just... I mean, certainly, like he's like, no, you know, I'll be a good husband to you. That's his yeah. whole. That's his whole deal. He's like, I'll marry you and. We'll have babies and it'll be great. Yeah. You know, and Marion's like, no, no, thank you. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that he's got real bad guy energy. He's got, he's got BGE. And, <laughs> and I think that's what a movie like this needs. Absolutely. And he needed, like, like uh, you know, Marion says, saying that, uh, or Mary Elizabeth Mastro Antonio saying, you know, that she, she wishes she was in that movie. If everyone had been at that level, this would be a pantomime. Yes, that's you know, right. It would be insane. Yes. But the fact that the movie is so grounded and he comes in over the top yeah. with this sort of performance is perfectly pitched. And the movie, you know, he literally talks about how he's insane or he at least mm. says you know i'm i'm sane i'm very sane giving this look that absolutely shows that he is not sane. he, he basically winks and, at the camera yeah and <laughs> i think it works like, i think it works against kevin costner is a more reserved robin hood maybe he's not errol flynn he's not like aha no, he's, he's do- not throwing his head back and laughing he's and- doing a lot more like he's doing a lot more of that ha 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 sort of stuff that i remember and I feel like he's he's reaching for that, but but you're right. Like like as a whole, in terms of the Robin Robin's Robin's hood that the we've Robin's seen, hood, yeah. um, he's definitely like more of a, a you know stoic. Like I've seen him described in this movie as a lump of wood, <laughs> and I disagree because we've seen Robin Hoods that, that were lumps of yes, wood. Yes, yes, yes. You know, so he's bringing plenty of like charisma to it. Yes, but he's basically just playing himself. Yeah, like, because just... you can't do Errol Flynn in this movie. No. You know, it's it's. I think what you're saying is sort of right. Is like this movie with the Sheriff of Nottingham and Robin Hood are kind of the reverse of yeah. Guy of Gisborne and Robin Hood in the Errol Flynn. Exactly. You know, Kevin Costner is more like the reserved Guy of Gisborne because mm. we remember Guy of Gisborne. He's like this dude who wants he's to this... kill Robin Hood, but he's also like super embarrassed by Prince John going, <laughs> yes. "Hey, you've got a total crush on my my niece Marion, don't you? <laughs> you suck." Like, like right her. in front of her. Like, like right just... in front of her, going, "He wants to marry you," and she's like, Ugh. "It's like, ah." So, and then you've got Errol Flynn, who's all like, ha I'm full of life and vigor. And, you know, yeah. as you say, you can't have two of those. You have to play off each other. You, you have to have contrast there. Yeah. If, if they were both like completely over the top, it would just, they'd swallow each other. Yes. It would just be ridiculous. Yeah. And you've got other characters in, you've got Christian Slater and you've got little, sure. little John, sorry, Will Scarlet and little John. You've got other, you've got, you've got Friar Tuck you've just got being Friar awesome. You've got Friar Tuck being over the top. Like, <laughs> you know, it kind of works to have your lead as slightly more subtle than when you've got all of that happening around you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a very traditional, like leading man performance. Yeah. But for this time period from Kevin Costner, from a Hollywood but movie, like also, it's fine. He was just off Dances with Wolves. I think, I think Dances with Wolves had been made and come out and he'd gone off to make this movie while it was sort of coming out. So right. then he won the Oscars, I think in 1991 for Dances with Wolves. Cause he won for best director mm. as well as best picture. 
So this was like his next project coming out of that, or the next big one, certainly. Yeah. So he was like the biggest actor in the world at that time. Yeah. You know, everyone was doing interviews with him. I remember like taping interviews with him off the TV. I you know, remember he that. would go on Ray Martin or something, would go yeah. have an hour with him in Cannes or and, something. And they'd, they'd preview it. They'd say, we're going to interview Kevin Costner yeah. like this week. Yeah. And so I'd tape it and be like, oh, I want to watch Kevin Costner talking about the movies. <laughs> he was the biggest actor in the world. And this was him coming off Dances with Wolves. And it's a different type of movie. Yes, it's a... I mean, we noted in this film that at some point Christian Slater says the, ba- the the sheriff of Nottingham is going to hang all the ringleaders of the of the outlaws at high noon. And I went, yeah. I've never noticed that before. He said high noon. High noon is an American term. That's a very American that term. That is not uh, uh, an English term. Um, but yeah, so that you know, they're 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 bringing an American sensibility because the Americans bring the money and they want it to sell in their home, and that's just how Americans make movies. Exactly. You know, you need to have the American star. It's maybe less so these days because so many British actors just do American accents to the point where people don't even know that they're Yeah, British. exactly. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they just do them and people are like, oh, wait a second. It's like, what? oh my God, this person is British or Australian or Irish or... Do you want to hear... So I've just looked it up. So do you want to hear um, Kevin Costner's run of films? Yeah, from, from the From the 90s, like like the early 90s run that he had. Yeah, I do. Can I... Wait, maybe I'll try to guess them. Oh, okay. So well, right. start so, me off. Start so me off. We'll, we'll, start, we'll start with... So 1990, we've already said it, like Dances with Wolves. Yep. He wins the Oscar for that. Yeah. And in fact, didn't he? That was like a passion project of his, wasn't it? Like he. I know that he was very produced it and yeah, he was a big motivator behind it. Yeah. Very next movie, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah, yeah, right. A critical mix, but but like certainly a box office smash. Can I guess the next one? Please. What's the next one? The Bodyguard. Nearly. The next one is JFK. Oh my God, JFK! Oliver, Oliver Stone's JFK. Oh, I loved that movie so much. Then The Bodyguard, the body which guard. was the biggest thing in the world itself. Yeah, like yeah at that, that was because The Bodyguard was 92. That was 92. And JFK was 92. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, like according to IMDb, at least in the US, Robin Hood and JFK came out the same year. That was that was Kevin Costner's 1991. Wow. It was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and then later in the year, JFK. Wow. That's insane. Right then he yeah. does he does a perfect world. Then, oh, then, was there a tin cup in this? No, that's a bit no, later. no. So then there's Wyatt Earp after that, which oh, was oh yeah, that's right. That then there's a movie called The War, which I'm not familiar with. No. And then 1995, Waterworld. Ah. And it all comes crashing which down. I've still never seen. <laughs> really? No, I've never seen Waterworld. Better than its reputation. Yeah. Again, one of those one of those movies where at the time completely pilloried for. Well, you it know, cost so much. And it, was, it was a was, huge flop. Yeah. You know, and it, it was seen as ridiculous. Yeah. Whereas now, it's like a restrained, <laughs> a restrained oh, blockbuster. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's ridiculous. It's like, I, didn't it cost a hundred million? <clears throat> and that's what everyone, it was something like it broke one of those barriers, like a hundred million. Or including something. much of which, and I'm, I'm pretty sure this is an apocryphal, they spent like a whole bunch of their C- CGI budget fixing Kevin Costner's this- hairline. Oh, I heard it was his gills. There was his gills as well, but like literally, like his hair looked terrible because it was just oh. always wet, and by that stage, it was really thinning. Oh. Um, and just wet, it just looked stringy as hell. And so apparently, right. someone with a computer went in and like <laughs> fixed it. I'm like, surely you could get a wig. Anyway, we're far, we're a far wet afield. Wig. I'm just that saying, that is a good run. That is a good. It's run a of good movies. run. It's a good run of movies. Really, mm. you know, he, the the because the, he'd done stuff in the '80s, like he was in No Way Out, and. Yeah. Um, the Untouchables was probably his sure, like his big one, one was The Untouchables. There. Yeah, he he had been a star, but Dance field field of, field of dreams. Oh, field of dreams, of course. Of course. Bull, and Bull Ray Liotta died just recently. Bull Durham, but yeah, like so he was in 
He loved a baseball movie, didn't he? Or he did. A, or a golf movie. He definitely did. Yeah. Yeah, base, baseball was Field of Dreams. Have you played that game uh, where, funnily enough, I was introduced to this game by James, who played Hans Gruber in our production of Die Hard, the movie The Play yeah. last year. And you play the IMDb game. So you name an actor and then you try to guess what movies. You know when you look up someone on IMDb yes. and you look up the actor, they normally have a few movies listed after them. Sure. Which is like their yeah. best of, I guess, or their most well-known. Yeah. So you try and pick which try and of guess their what, movies. Try guess what that would be, yes. Which of their... So for Kevin Costner, let me think. Uh, now I reckon probably Yellowstone would be in there. But maybe they don't do... Maybe they don't do... Actually, actually no. I'm, maybe that's, they don't do surprising. TV still. Maybe they do movies. So I would say Dances with Wolves. Yep. JFK. No. Oh. No, not in the first... Well, I'm. I, it depends on where you're... Field of Dreams then? No, just, strangely. Just in like the top sort of bit. So the top the top four? Yeah, I top guess. four. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, so so Dances with Wolves is in there. Yeah. Robin Hood is in there. Is yeah. yeah. Oh, I wouldn't have thought it would be. Yeah, oh, Prince yeah, of Thieves. Great. The Bodyguard. Oh, the Bodyguard. Obviously. And insanely, The Postman. Like, oh, wow. Which was his other massive, massive flop. flop. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's he, strange. He very much because of his role directing Dances with Wolves, that really shot him into the no, I'm a visionary. I can yeah, you know. So I don't, I don't know if he directed The Postman as well. Maybe he did. I but think maybe he did. He loved. He, he was certainly a producer on that. It he's definitely a fan of these big movies where he is like the he's a, he's hero, a, and he's a legendary man, figure, which... or a legendary figure, or the man who comes in to solve things. So your Wyatt Earps, yeah, yeah, your bodyguard, you know, sure. these kind of, and even in this. movie movie you're your Robin, Robin Hoods. Hoods yeah so it's it's an interesting career path and now he's famous for the Yellowstone TV show which I still haven't watched but I know a lot of people and apparently absolutely love hugely so. popular amongst yeah. uh old people basically yeah <laughs> like, well because it, it's on I think it's on terrestrial TV still like it's on oh, Paramount it or really? CBS or something so I think because I know we, we get it in Stan we in get Australia. it in yes it's in Stan but I think or we it, did or I think they've, they've ripped it to Paramount Plus oh, now they might have anyway sure. back on track <laughs> How's your list going? Oh, yes, yes, my list. That's right. Um, <laughs> I wrote uh, Fisheye Lens, which we, we uh, noticed a couple of times yes. during this. Like, just the cinematography in this yeah. is kind of bananas. Like, every once in a while, and especially when the Sheriff of Nottingham is around, but certainly towards the end, whenever there's anything in the castle, mm. they seem to put this weird anamorphic lens on the camera, which, like, stretches out. It gets a lot of stuff into the one sort of, you sort of you quite claustrophobic frame. Yeah, you see Alan Rickman's nose first, and then his face kind of pulls back away from the camera. Yeah. Like, his face is sort of domed and coming at you. Yes. It's not a flat, you know, panel. It's, yeah, yeah, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of canted angles and things like that. I feel and, like they probably had some steady cam. Some of the shots yeah. I noticed were they started looking up at him. Mm. Like, they started with the camera down, and then the, the camera person stood up. And walked along with him because yeah. there's a little bit of not shaky cam, but just moving. No, but but, but certainly the camera's moving yes, a lot. Yes, and it, to contrast with any time we see like Robin or in the forest or anything, it's all like beautiful, like locked off, like wide shots and and yeah. close ups and yeah, more traditional sort of sounding movie stuff. Mm. Whereas everything that with the the sheriff is all like close up and yes. and sweaty looking and, and yes. yeah, it's it's a choice, like like it's a deliberate choice. Yeah. They didn't make a mistake. Like, that's what they wanted to do. And that's mm. that's how they get it. And you, you do notice it, but you notice it in a good way because yeah. it's accentuating it, it, what's happening. It, it's accentuating, particularly when it, it it's on Alan Rickman a lot. It's on Guy of Gisborne sometimes. And it's on Mortiana, the witch. Mortiana. And so it's creating that sense of villainry, that sense of yeah. plotting, that sense of not being entirely truthful, not being straight up, being... Yeah. 
you know, being a villain. And it, it. it helps communicate that to you as a viewer without you even noticing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the final item on my list is everything I do, ah. I do it for you. So that song was a massive hit. Just enormous to it, this day it was like top number one for weeks and weeks all over yeah. the world and then a lot of people like hate brian adams and stuff and it's like well you write a pop song that <laughs> makes that much money then go on it's a lovely song and the score overall i didn't write this down in the minute i didn't have time but i you know i should have because the score is such a star of this movie and, and i i was recently outraged Stu, because the abc <laughs> no, Auntie, ABC Classic FM yes. did a hottest 100 for classic film and TV scores. Yes. And Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves was not in the top 100. Apparently no. it might have shown up in the top 200 or something. Someone tweeted at me. Fine. I was outraged. I was outraged that Michael Kamen didn't even seem to have a spot in the top 100 at all. Yeah. And he, he's got such a distinctive... I can typically pick when he's done the store for a film, even if I haven't seen the He's film not film. as well known as John Williams, but he's actually or a, an incredible Morricone body of, of work. Or Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Absolutely. He's not as high profile as them, but he's done so much. He did Die Hard. He did The Three Musketeers. Sure. He did Don Juan DeMarco. So all of those ones that had Brian Adams theme songs. Yeah. He did all those. <laughs> but he's really good at working in, you know, the theme song of the movie, you know, because the 90s was peak, you know, having a theme song to go yeah. with your movie. And he incorporated the score. So when you're watching it, you hear the romantic, the love tune. That's right. The love theme is the when song. When Robin and Marion are, are interacting in the film and you hear the... Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. It's very good. But I love that. I love that, like, not just that in the 90s, like, there was a, a song to go with a movie, but that specifically Brian Adams would do a song to go with a movie. <laughs> Because there was we, there was talk at one stage. We were trying to f- figure out how we were going to talk about this movie specifically. <laughs> we were like, oh, we could just do all the Robin on like the Robin Hood movies. And I, and my suggestion was, why don't we just do the Brian Ma- Brian Adams verse, <laughs> where every movie that Brian Adams has done a song for the soundtrack, we do we do that one. Well, I think of three. Yeah. I think of this one. Yeah. I think of the Three Musketeers. There's three Musketeers. That's the other big but, one. Which was he, Rob Stewart, and Sting. Sure. Yes. That, that was a that was a, because a Three Musketeers. Three Musketeers. Indeed. You have to. And then Don Juan DeMarco, where he did yeah. You Really Love a Woman. Yeah. That's Spanish inspired. I can't think of any others. There probably isn't. But honestly, that's three bangers. That's three bangers. Very young Johnny Depp in in hindsight before all the all the unpleasantness. Yeah, it's a great score, and I remember I don't know how or what, but TV flicking one day, and like an AFL game was on or a rugby game or some sort of sporting football game was on, mm. and they were like taking to the field and warming up, and they were playing the Robin Hood Overture underneath, and I remember being like, "That's the Robin Hood Overture." Yeah, like the fact that I, as a young girl, have said I recognise this score, a yeah. classical score. Well, well, that's the thing because you, this music isn't just from this movie. They've used this that score for everything mm. since then. It's actually like I, I heard it again. I was like, "Oh right, that's from this movie." Mm. Because it's it's in every trailer, like like for every trailer for a decade had like this music in it. Yeah. You know? and, and then like incidental music, you're right, like like sporting shows play it a lot yeah. because it's very like triumphant yes, and you yes. know like we're about to go into battle. You know, like even even just like, you know, documentaries and things will just throw it in there. Like it's it's so good I, music. I think that, you know, Michael Kamen was robbed in that ABC Classic one hundred. <laughs> you know? So 
Shout out. Shout he, out to he, Michael He Caden. died in 2003 and he was only 55. Mm. And because I remember being like, oh, that's really sad. Like he would have been scoring for superhero movies and totally, yeah. all that stuff. Absolutely. By now. He yeah. would have done a Batman. He the would MCU have done a... would have dragged him in. He oh, would have been done something. For sure. Yeah. Or at least he would have done things like other adventure films like that mm. one that just came out with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Or, <laughs> sure. You know, stuff like that. He yeah. would have been all over that. Yeah, that that's right know. up his alley. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. That's my list. So with that, I see you got a lot more written down than I did. Not really. I was mostly just trying to scribble, but I, I don't know if anything makes sense. Uh, the first line is just, seriously, best movie ever. <laughs> Kevin Costner is great. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's well written. Scenes lead into each other. Yes. Seamlessly. The pace of the film. This is a two hour and 23 minute film. Mm. It did not feel like it. No, it flies by. It just, yeah. it gallops along. It just paces. Absolutely. But it, it does slow down a bit in the middle. Once they hit Sherwood Forest and they start doing a few things, there is a bit of a slowdown. But that, that first sort of half an hour is But whack, I wouldn't whack, whack. say it's a lag. No, no, it's not. I it, wouldn't it's, say. It's, it's a deliberate slowdown. Yeah. But, but you're right. The start of this movie is go, go, go. Yeah. And even in things when they're setting up, they're having moments of character. Mm. They're having moments of sort of character development. One I'm thinking of is, uh, okay, well, let me let me do a sequence. Sure. Robin and Azim go back to the Loxley Castle to find it burnt out. They find the corpse of Brian Blessed. Mm-hmm. Just mwah, respect to yes. Brian Blessed. That man is a gift to Earth. They find his body hanging in a gibbet cage, just decomposing. They yep. find Duncan, the blind servant. All of a sudden, Robin's world has been turned upside down. They bury his father and they go to Marion's castle mm. or property, castle, thingy, fortress, whatever. To find food and shelter. Yeah. Turns out they're not really welcome there. He ends up being, you know, stabbed by a guard who turns out to be Marion in yes. armor. They go from action moment, discovery, reveal. Oh no, father is dead. What's going to happen now? To let's go here for shelter. To I'm going to find my childhood friend and she'll help me. Yeah. Oh no, um, I'm being attacked. And there's a little fight scene. And then, uh oh, it's Marion after all. Oh, and she kicks him in the nuts. Yeah. Feminism. Great. <laughs> then it moves to the garden where he hands Marion the ring that Peter, her brother, gave Robin when they, he died and he was yes. you know, about to die in the Crusades and said, take this to give this to Marion, swear you'll protect her. So he says, I'm here to protect you, to fulfill my oath to your brother. Yeah. She talks about how the sheriff has sort of plundered the lands and people are needy and um, he's up to something. And she. Robin Hood stuff. But she remembers. Yeah, but she remembers him as a spoiled bully who went sure. off to war so there's the character moments and yeah. he's like well please allow that years of war in prison might change a man so there's a, mm. a character moment of oh wow i'm actually trying to right the wrongs of the past or something like yes. that then all of a sudden danger <laughs> guy of gisborne is arriving with men to round up robin hood mm. and he and azim have to escape and so there's an action sequence. They jump on horses and they Absolutely. flee and then they go into Sherwood Forest. And they're driven to Sherwood Forest by need. By need. Like, yeah. yeah. So they're like, we have to seek refuge in the forest. Yeah. This is the only place we can go. And then it calms down because Sherwood Forest is haunted. So we need to, you know, what's haunting? Oh no, it's wind chimes. It's actually okay. We're, someone's here. And, yeah. But someone's watching us. Then let's go to the river. We need to cross the river. Oh no, here are the outlaws. <laughs> let's have an action scene. And now we're resolved. And now let's go to a character moment where we sit around a fire talking about what the sheriff has done. We build mm-hmm. character. We realize that Will Scarlet is an angry emo who has some <laughs> issues with Robin Hood. <coughs> Did they have emos in 1991? I guess they had goths. 
He's not really a, he's not yeah, really no, a god. Yeah, no, but this is 1194. So sure. they, they, who knows if they had emos then? They probably did. They had Visigoths. They had Visigoths. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you have a character moment that then develops into an action moment. Yeah. And it flows. It's not jammed in. They, they Totally, yeah. You know, so... It's a well-written, well-made it's movie. It's well-paced you yeah. know, well scripted. There's a bit of cheekiness. There's a bit of they try to put a bit of drama in there, like a bit yeah. of the 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 empathetic. You know, oh no, what's life now? Oh, and even and even the stuff with like the difficult birth. Like I don't know if that would be there in a modern blockbuster. It's because it's a weird digression that doesn't really come back it's, specifically later. Oh uh, well, it, they show the kid when yeah. the village is in peril and being set on fire and stuff and you have Fanny and the kids. Sure, sure. But I mean, you know, that you could easily get the same effect just by her holding a baby. Like, you, that you would not... Yeah, you don't necessarily have to see the you birth. You don't have but to it, see the birth. Well, its its function is to build trust with Azim. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's there it, to... It yeah. functions as a character moment that Azim... And this is the next thing on my list, which is Azim is a great narrative device. His story brings diversity into the Robin Hood story mm. without noticing that it's diversity, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I, it's I know like, exactly what you It's not mean. box ticking. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, here's a man from a different culture yeah. who's coming across, he is sufficient. Look, okay, the fact that he speaks perfect English, the fact that any of them are speaking English, okay, great. Let's put it to one side. <laughs> sure. In this world, it's fine. every Arab in Jerusalem knows how to speak English. Okay, we get it. <laughs> Actually, they're, they're, all, they're all probably speaking... I mean, they're all speaking like Middle English or something. They'd all be I mean, speaking French and yeah, Middle sorry, English. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't have any Anglo-Saxon Norman no. problems here. This no, is, yeah, yeah. This has gotten rid of all of that. It's it's more... Probably because it would be Christian, too confusing. Yeah, it's Christian, <laughs> it's Christian versus Islam. That's the sort of the difference. Well, and it's... There, there's a weird satanic element to it as well. Like, there's a yeah, well, satanic thing Yes, the main, the main thing it. is really... Anti, anti, uh, oh, sorry, Satanism, I should say, but it's it's taken out that sort of racial element, but it's brought in the, I guess, racial element of having a, a dark skin character, sure. a black character, a more, and having a different religion and the out of placeness, and I, I just think that that was something that maybe people would call it token, but the thing is, but they still did it. They still they yeah. could have done a Robin Hood movie without Azim. Sure. It could have been another, it could have been Peter, the brother who came back with him, or it could have been Peter died, but another prisoner got out. Like, it's yeah, interesting exactly. that they went, we love Morgan Freeman. How can we put a, realistically or with believability, put a black man into this? Sure, exactly. Okay, what if Robin leaves Sherwood, but he's now got a new friend from Jerusalem? Hmm. And how would that go in English with the customs? So he's the one able to kind of take the audience's perspective and cast judgments on the yeah, the exactly. stupid customs because he's and coming the, from a more enlightened, a more enlightened, a more advanced culture, more technically advanced <laughs> culture. So he's the one who's able to say, you know, uh, Robin says, "Don't let's not frighten them. Let's not tell them how many soldiers they're fighting. We'll just tell them five, not twenty. Yeah. They can't count anyway." And and Azim's the one who goes, "They call me a barbarian." Yeah. So it's this sort of deadpan. You know, and then there's a lovely moment. I've always liked that moment as a kid where this girl, little girl at the party walks up to him and says, did God paint you? And mm. he laughs and says, most certainly. She's like, but why? He says, well, Allah likes wondrous variety. Yeah. It was just like the nicest way, like as a kid. The, to the go, nicest yeah. way to, to deal with what would be a genuine, well, for, for that, for a girl that age would be a genuine question. Yeah. She'd never seen a black that, man before. Yeah, that's She's right. Like, hey, going, what, what's the deal? Are you painted? Like in yeah. the same way that I imagine if you're the first white person to be seen by black people hmm. that they'll say things like are you a ghost or are you you know what happened to you yeah it's when you are seeing something for the first time you 
you know, you, 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 ask you a are thinking about, about like, yeah. well, how did you become this way? So it's it's just a lovely and doing it having a child ask that question is yeah. a deliberate move to be like, so how was this? And and then to have Friar Tuck being like, oh, he's a Moises Saracen. I don't trust him because I'm yeah. a racist priest. <laughs> um, but then being shown, oh, actually he knows what he's talking about. And he saved this woman. He didn't try to kill her. He saved her and her baby. So, so saved her in a way that I'm, I'm still not entirely sure what was supposed to have happened. <laughs> um, like, cause we're, we're given the impression that there's some sort of, some sort of cutting involved or something. I'm not sure what, well, he what exactly he says. Um, it can't have me, been. It can't have been a cesarean. He says, "Bring needle, thread, and water." I think. Yeah. So I think it was probably because he says your baby has not turned. So I think maybe it was a, a deli- like a harder delivery. Yeah. Like he probably went up there with his hands right. and pulled the baby out feet first. Sure. So maybe they cut. Is it you know they cut a bit of extra room? So I, I'm not good with childbirth stuff. There, um, there's definitely scenarios where they they start cutting things. Yes. And, it's, it's never pleasant, <laughs> but like I, I feel like you know it, it could it could definitely could not have been a no. cesarean because she would be dead. She would be dead. She and she's very much alive and fighting later in the movie. So. Blood loss or um, eventually or an infection. infection. Yeah. yeah, it's a major surgery. It's a um, huge issue. But certainly, if if maybe maybe he knew. Like little yeah, well, he said he and... saw it in horses, so I assume that you can sort of push and maneuver and yeah. put your hands up there. And I guess, yeah, you know, babies sure. have been being born breech for God knows how long, so some of them must have survived. That's it, exactly. So he, he the, knows what he's doing. So I mean, I guess you could level the argument that he's a that they kind of go, oh, he's a magic black man. You could level that argument against the film. But I, I mean, I mean, they literally call him a wizard at one point. They do so. call him a wizard. <laughs> he's, but he's explo- He's throwing powder into. He's, he's technologically advanced. Sure. Yes, so absolutely. I don't see how... I think it's quite a respectful way. I don't think they're making him out to be like flawless or anything like that or, or perfect. No. But they're sort of going, hey, here's a guy with a different perspective. He's smart and intelligent. Well, smart and intelligent. Same hmm. thing. He knows how to use words better yes. than I do. <laughs> uh, and I just, I just like the fact that it was there and... As a young person watching the film, you sort of realize, like in hindsight, it's like, oh, that was a really lovely way to see diversity in that age, <sighs> in an era-appropriate way. Yeah, of course. It doesn't. It doesn't feel shoehorned in. No, in as no. much as like they've obviously shoehorned the character in, but but you know, yeah. if you have to do it, that's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's just it all rolls. It makes sense, and he has his function in the as almost like a you kind of see through his eyes sometimes yeah, yeah. about these weird because you're a visitor to this culture of outlaws and that's it in, a, in well. a weird way at times he is the viewpoint character yes yes um which is yeah it's, it's interesting mm. something else uh, completely unrelated uh, not not unrelated but uh, on a different tangent something you said reminded me of this it's another first for this movie for what we've seen before which is that we've seen versions of the of the the movie where at the end of the film you know, or at the start of the film, Richard goes off to the Crusades. Yes. And then he comes back and Robin has done his thing while he's away. Yes. And then we've seen versions where, like like the uh, Robin and Marion, where after he does his Robin Hood thing, Robin Hood follows Richard off to the, to the yes. Crusades for 20 years yes. and then comes back. Is this the first one that we've seen where, like, the Crusades are basically his origin story? Yeah. Where he's gone away to fight. Yeah. And while he's been away, everything's gone to hell. So when he gets back, he has to become Robin Hood. Yes, yes. This is the first time that's really happened, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know um, what that means. It just—it's just interesting. It's just really, like, it feels very Hollywood. Like he's gone away. It's—it's it's almost like a western. Like he's gone away, 
And while he was away fighting, you know, yeah. everything went to hell in his hometown. So he needs to fight the sheriff. You well, know? in the Errol Flynn, Robin didn't go on crusade. No. Robin was... Robin was at home Robin while was... while Richard was away. Yes. And in Robin <coughs> and Marion, I'm not sure that it even figured. Maybe Richard was away, but Robin Hood didn't go away. But no, but we're, 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 it's implied that he did all his Robin Hooding. And then at the end, it had the happy ending where King Richard came back or whatever and, and mm. said, yes, hooray. Now I'm going on another crusade and you should come with me. And that was, that was the basic premise where oh, he sort of yeah. left. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. We're, we're given to believe that he'd done all of his Robin Hood stories. Right. And then had followed Richard to like yes. the second or third crusade or whatever he would have been on. Yeah, that's a stupid idea. It's strange, isn't it? Like, <laughs> but, And we saw in Robin and Marianne, we saw Sean Connery in France mm. with, with Richard doing actual warring. But we didn't see him crusading, like specifically no, that's true. Yeah, in so. the Holy Lands. So this is the first time you actually, you know, open. And you even said, as a kid, you were really confused that the film opens in this dungeon. Yeah, because I was expecting well, well, Sherwood Forest. Well, it actually opens with a, with a call to prayer from a, from yeah, a minaret. Yeah, it's Jerusalem, yeah. like 1157 ah, or whatever. Yeah, you know, the call to prayer. So it's, um, it's very much a, a different start. Yeah. And you see Robin having been holed up in a prison and potentially getting his hand chopped off and then turning that into an escape attempt, being able to free... Uh, Azim Morgan Freeman and now having this new buddy who's going to stick with him because he yeah. saved his life so it's yeah it's definitely and, and you don't even notice Rob, Robin's got like a full beard and long hair and yeah because he's been in jail for so long I will I might point out at this point there's a little bit of I never could work out because I got really geeky about this uh, about the timeline of how old Robin is supposed to be yes when he sort of went he, he said he it was six years since he left if we take Robin to be about, say, 30 in this film. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. That's it's... fair. He's So he is, say, 30. He's been away for six years. So he says, so that makes him 23, 24 when he goes yeah. on away to Crusades. He tells Marion that the, his last words to his father were spoken in anger because his father, after his mother died, his father found comfort for a time with a, a local woman. Yeah. And uh, he was upset and then he parted with this woman because he said, you know, on the because of the anger of a 12-year-old boy who'd never forgive him. So then we find out later in the film that shock, <laughs> shock, shock, Will Scarlet is Robin's brother. Also a new thing for this, yes. this film. Yes, have, never have that before. Sometimes he's his cousin. Typic- no, no, no. But typically they're like friends. They always start off as friends. They're like yes. buddies. They're amigos. True, we saw yeah. it in the Patrick Bergen one. It's Robin Hood and Will Scarlet. We saw it in Errol Flynn. Absolutely. We saw it in Robin Hood. We saw it in Robin and Marion. Yeah. Uh, well, in the, in this one, Azim sort of takes that role yes. of like close personal friend. Yes. And Will Scarlet, Will Scarlet is an antagonist. Yeah. And we find out why is because Robin Hood's dad is his dad as well. Yeah. His mum was a peasant who Robin's dad sort of obviously shacked up with for a bit after his wife died bore a son but he had to dump this woman and so obviously christian slater grew up without a daddy i mean you wouldn't anyway if you were like a bastard son of a lord like you wouldn't grow up with well yes but he might have grown I mean, up in a castle rather than maybe a hut. yeah 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 maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe it would have been a john snow situation yes. he's then i guess 12 years 11 12 years younger maybe than than, sure. than robin hood so he that makes him and about that, 18 that, that tracks in the film. like you know that 18 he's, he's maybe older 20 playing younger that's yeah fine. 18 maybe 20 but Robin couldn't have said his last words to his dad when he was 12. Like, there must have been a gap. His last words, watching it again, I think that his last words in anger were about going on crusade, that his dad yes. didn't want him to go on crusade. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it just there's just a bit of an age gap thing there. 
Sure. That as, yeah. a, as a kid, I always tried to work out. But that means... That, I think it works out. That means that he left to go on crusade at 12, and he's actually only 18 now, and that means that Will Scarlet's only 12. <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking too... I'm thinking, it, was, it was the 90s people were playing younger. It's I'm fine. overthinking. But no, if, it, it makes sense if you sort of think, well, he was angry at his dad because of that, and then he went on to be angry at him. And then he never really got over yeah, it. Yeah, he and was so, too proud, and then said, and no, then stuff, yeah, I'm going off to the crusade. left for a crusade yeah. his father didn't approve of. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that well, that's sort That makes sense. I wrote in my list, Alan Rickman is a god. He certainly is. And, he's really uh, good. Saint Alan. He's, I think he won a BAFTA for this. And good Did on he? him. <laughs> he should have won an Oscar. He should have won an Oscar. He should have won a Nobel Peace Prize. He, he should have won the world's greatest man prize. <laughs> he should have been sexiest man alive. He should have been everything. Cause of I mean, I'm world. sure he probably was at some point, right? Surely. Uh, no, not Alan Rickman. He's never really? been sexiest man alive, no. I mean, okay. if they had a sexiest voice category... True. He would win that every year. And he's um, just he's just purring his way through this movie, isn't he? Like uh, just just some this is some top shelf Rickman. Oh. Uh, it's very good stuff. He's so good. Uh, well, we know we noted at one stage where he says, uh, you know, hello children. You know, like <laughs> just sort of just very 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 snapish. Yes, he says, I I had a very sad childhood. I'll tell you about it sometime. I never knew my parents. It's amazing that I'm sane. <laughs> just like stares at this yeah, kid that, that's the that's the point where he basically nearly winks at the camera yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. amazing it's so so good and even when he's he's you know proposing to marion by by going oh i i give you the children uh give you their lives as a wedding present you know they've all been captured after the big fight in sherwood forest and they they give uh he, he gives them the lives of the woodsman and her traitorous maid and says it's a wedding present she's like and just who am I supposed to marry and he kind of just bows his head and steps backwards and so the bishop then steps forward and says search your heart my child why not a union with the house of Nottingham to unite these lands like it's this weird like and now time for my hype man to step in like it's just it's like everything about him is uh it's just glorious. And he's so egotistic. Like you see, you know, that he, he's making statues to himself. You know, the famous line of, you know, cancel the kitchen scraps for lepers and authors. No more merciful <laughs> beheadings. And call off Christmas. I mean, that's that's where it strays into full-on panto. Like it, that's... It does, but it's... But it's glorious. Like it's, it's completely over the top in yes. the best possible way. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's a petty, vindictive, narcissistic, pathologically insane... What's the other word? Psychopath. Yeah. Yes. With flair. Yeah. And by God, he has flair. That's it. And he's so watchable. I wrote, Christian Slater is so emo. He's great. And <laughs> and people never, you know, remember to tell you about Christian Slater's broad Californian accent. No, no. Everyone, everyone, focus on everyone focuses on Costa. No one looks at Slater. <laughs> Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio is a great maid, Marion. Yeah, she's lovely. She's spunky enough. She knows how to hold a sword. She fights... Kevin Costner in the in the beginning, she's sort of in disguise she's as her doing own a bit. bodyguard. I, I did mention she has a very damselly run. Yeah, she runs um, in she's a bit very, of a very damsel. loose, like arms in the air. Uh, a uh. bit, a bit Disney princess yeah. sort of. There's like, a bit of that, but, uh, like her but other than that, fluid, she's yeah. very, she's very. She good. in the final fight um, with Nottingham and Robin Hood, she sort of you know picks up a chair and tries to bash him with it, or, yeah, or picks up a board. She or something. burns him with a candle. She burns at one him stage. with a candle. She's getting involved. She's trying to get involved, but. 
I feel like it's a limit. It's a, like a reasonable, reasonably feasible amount of involvement that, that yes. you would have. She's not, and she's also sort of awkward around Robin as well. Like she's she's yeah. confident and uh, self assured, but when she actually gets into his domain and see how he's changed, she's a bit awkward and shy, and yeah. you know, like oh, I had a bit of a crush on you. <laughs> also, we saw Kevin Costner's butt. We sure did. Yeah. There's um, there's some uh, rear nudity. Yeah. No frontal. But, but then, uh... what I like is he's not like super buff. Like if that was now. Yeah, he, he would, would have be been, have to be jacked and everyone would jack, look yeah. like they've been on steroids. It's yeah. like, that's not how these guys would have looked. No. They would have been strong. They're farmers. They would have been strong, buff, barrelly guys. Burly men. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't have had jacked, you know, Christopher Hemsworth style rolling, you know, muscles. But that's just me. Not that there's anything wrong with Chris Hemsworth style rolling muscles. Not at all. I'm very happy to watch them um, <coughs> roll, roll, roll along. <laughs> Merrily... <laughs> we roll along down Chris Helmsworth's left bicep. Indeed. But yeah, that's sort of about as much as I as I got out. Should we talk just briefly about the finale scene where I mean I haven't even talked about the plot of this movie. You can Wikipedia it. The, they know what Watch the, the Robin Hood it's the Robin Hood story. You it's know the, the Robin, Robin Hood, Hood story. story. Yeah. It's that with some key tweaks. <laughs> I, I do want to talk about the final scene where the Sheriff of Nottingham has presented all of these rascally merry men. Oh, I thought, never you, I thought you were talking about the very final scene, but we can get there. That's that's okay. Oh, you mean the wedding scene? Yes. That's yeah, what yeah, I'm getting yeah. to. Yes. Yeah, okay, I'm, right, I'm, right. I'm trying to set it up. Sure, sure, sorry. So the Sheriff has decided to marry Marion, and as a wedding present, he's going to hang all of the ringleaders of the merry men. They're never referred to as mm. merry men. They're just outlaws, which I think is appropriate. <laughs> Including Wolf, which is Friar, uh, sorry, Little John and his wife Fanny's eldest son. Yes. The, the rascally one. Who's left over in the camp? Everyone's rounded up or killed. And so the only people left are Robin, Christian Slater, after he comes back, he, he's sort of sent by the sheriff yeah. to infiltrate, but it all comes out about, uh, about him. Fanny, Fanny and Little John. Fanny and Little John. Bull, who's the one who dresses as a Celt, and Azim. Yeah. Is there one more? That's it. And Robin. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So they have to sort of create a plan to infiltrate. And they sit down and they have... A plan. They have a war map. Mm-hmm. They create a castle. They create out of a little rocks. model castle little out, model of, out castle of little out bits of, of stick and rocks. Yeah. And they go here, here, and here, and here. And I'm just impressed that they remembered where everything was. Like, yeah. how good are they to know exactly where everything <laughs> is? Um, all the entrances and exits that they have to guard. So they go in, and this is where the action all happens. Yeah. Which I just want to talk about all that action now, particularly Azim's speech. <laughs> It's what's great about Azim's speech. It's not Robin Hood going, "I'm Robin Hood, fight for me." It's Azim going, "Hey, I'm not one of you. You're all trying to escape right now because everything's gone to shit and everything's in chaos." Yeah. But hey, there's a tyrant here. You need to stand up and fight. Join us. Join mm. Robin Hood. And everyone goes, "Yay! The peasants <laughs> are revolting!" And uh, hooray! Um, so the sheriff gets spooked and says, right, well, I've got to go marry Marion now. Yeah, I've got to go marry her now. This is what I'm going to do. I've got to make it happen. <laughs> and so this this very strange tone, I guess. And at the time, it never worried me or anything like that. And it's not that I am worried about it now, but I think it, for some people it would read more awkward or more unfortunate. He's getting the bishop to marry them while he's trying to undress himself. He's getting ready to getting consummate ready the marriage. Getting ready to consummate the yes. marriage there and then on the floor in, yeah. in front of this satanic temple sure. uh, altar that, that he has. And Marion's sort of fighting him off and he's trying to... And, and at one point he's like, and do you, Marion, take George, Sheriff of Nottingham, as your husband? And you can see her about to say, and he shuts her up and goes, yes, of course she does, and then pushes her to the ground. And so he's doing this... 
Azim and Robin are trying to get in through the door with the statue. That breaks, and so Robin then goes to trapeze in through the window sure. on a, on a in banner. Very Robin Hood style. In very Robin Hood style, which is great. And then she's, you know, been her clothes have been ripped off. She's in her sort of undergarments. And at one point when he finally says, I now pronounce you husband and wife, he lifts his leg up and then like sort of using his legs, splits her legs open and sort of lands on her yes. in this sort of comedy. It's a lot, a lot of it is played for slapstick comedy, which yes. I think is a choice Yes, done deliberately to take some of the venom out of what is ultimately yes. a sexual assault. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but, but it's played like, like she, she sort of says it like one stage, you know, you, you can take me, but you'll, you'll, you'll never take have this me. Body, but it you'll take this body, but it won't be me. It won't yeah. be me. You know, and, and they're, Which they're they doing, send up really well in men in tights. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> She's like, you can take yeah. my body, but you'll never have my heart, my mind or my soul. Is and okay? the sheriff is like, okay, yes, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get to there. that film next. But, but you know, I, I think they were just doing everything they could to make a sexual assault scene a little bit more palatable to yes. blockbuster it's an, it's movie an, audiences. It's an action adventure scene. And yeah. like as a kid, I didn't really comprehend what was happening, if that makes no. sense. No, yeah, yeah. You don't get the full understanding of what he's trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird how that just sort of went over my head. It's like, oh, no, he's just trying to <clears> attack he's just, he's, just, he's just being nasty to Marion. He's Marian. just being yeah. mean to, to yeah. Marion. And then, yeah, as an adult, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, but I don't know what else. I mean, I don't think we. I, the, I don't, the, the point of him trying know. to get undressed is that it actually gives Robin time to get there. Sure. If if yes. they just went straight ahead with the vows, it would happen a lot quicker. Yeah. And he would probably be able to commit this sexual assault faster. So if anything, <laughs> the the putting the whole like I'm taking my sword off and I'm taking my coat off and taking yes. my tunic off and uh, is all part of stalling. From, yes. You know, yeah, so yeah. it actually works from a filmmaking perspective to stall the action enough sure. so that Robin arrives in time before it's. But it, it is an odd, and, and it's also the slapstick also about it is there's so much noise happening. Yes. You know, there's people riding outside, Azim's banging on the door, trying to get in, and then you've got someone crashing. And, and, and he's like, I can't do this with all this racket. <laughs> you know, he's trying to perform. And I don't, it's one of those things where it's a, it's a comedy scene, and I, I don't. I feel like now I, I'm, I, I, I feel worried that I'm supposed to sort of condemn anything that kind of makes comedy out of sexual assault, and it's like I don't. Right, but I don't. Well, I think there's an important distinction, and, and you might you might agree or, or not, but it's not saying that sexual assault is funny. No, and it's not being played explicitly for laughs. No, but the the slapsticky moments that they have in it, like at one point he he gives her a pillow. And she kind of no, has the like the witch a, does. Oh, the witch does. Yeah, the she witch gets, and she kind of has this. Him, she has this him. confused look on her face, like, "What the hell are you what doing? What the hell yeah. is going on? Yeah. Like, it's it's a surreal. Like, yeah. what is even happening right now? Like, I think a lot of it is just to take some of the sting out of yes, it. Which I yes. mean, you could probably argue on, on the one hand is is bad because, like, you know, you want to try and make sure. Yeah. But, but the film yeah. is not saying this is a good fun thing that's happening. Yeah. It's saying this is a this is a bad guy it's doing a bad, a bad guy. thing, that's, that's, and it's that's, being made more heightened because yes. this whole movie is very heightened. But that's to me what it is. Yes. He's a bad guy. Bad guys do bad things. Sure, yeah. The stakes are high. You know, yeah. it's it's yes. Robin is coming to Marion's distress, to Marion's aid, sure. and I get that. But that's the kind of romantic adventure that you're sort of dealing with here, which is she is fighting as hard as she can get. Get mm. she's fighting back where she can. She is also a smaller person being restrained by not only the sheriff Absolutely. but the witch, the priest. Is she's got limited options. Yeah, she's struggling as hard as she can. She's not just she's like ah ah ah. She's struggling and delaying as much as she can so that Robin will you know come rescue her. Yeah, but it's not a. 
that's the yeah I I no I, I, I don't, don't want I don't to think apologize for Scott. It's, yeah. it's a it's a bad guy the stakes are really high sure he's about to commit marital rape <laughs> yes and that's what we're trying to stop here that's so right. You know, to and, me, and, and our hero crashes through the window and, and yeah. stops him doing that. So yeah. that's good. Yeah, that's a good and thing. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, and this sort of is, comes from some of the stuff that we talk about with Game of Thrones too. It's like, um, violence and sexual assault and all these things are, are there because that's, that's kind of how things mm. would have been. People were attacked, and you know, I'm, obviously it's heightened. Obviously it's over sure. the top. Obviously dramatized. But you know, so much classic literature chivalric stories and all this sort of stuff is about knights and ladies and the etiquettes of sexual politics and stuff like that so to me it's sort of all part of that so it's again not to yeah but it will be interesting to see how the sheriff of nottingham is portrayed in upcoming films (laughs) that we talk about and that sort of thing so and i suspect marion is going to be far more spunky in future movies (laughs) and far less um Damsley. Not Damsley. that I think she's Damsley in this She's not all. especially Damsley, but as I but say, she, is she has more, a very Damsley She run. is more emotional and she's very, <laughs> like when Robin, she thinks Robin's died and she leaves the, the after the sheriff has proposed to her and brought out yeah. the children and then she has Robin's necklace and she runs through the castle just wailing like, no! So, yeah. you know, she's upset, but also like you would be upset. Sure. If you thought Kevin Costner had died. Absolutely. You'd be very upset. <laughs> I'd be real upset. But I, I thought I thought you were getting to the final scene, which is the actual marriage scene where Robin and uh, Marion get married, yeah. and of course, who should show up but King uh, Richard? Dun, 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 Blue eyes himself. My goodness. Now I didn't know who you this to, was when I want to speak because in the cinema there was like this ah oh, kind of gasp of recognition, <laughs> and I was like, "Who is it?" And someone said Sean Connery, and I was like, I, uh, and I, I don't know I, who that is. But I did know because I watched James Bond, but he's so different. And where I yeah. think when you're a kid, sometimes a film from the 60s doesn't necessarily seem like it was so long ago that someone would look so different. Yes. So I remember watching Mary Poppins for the first time, and then at some point realizing this is a film from 1963 yeah. to whenever it was. Like, how is that even possible? Like, how <laughs> were films made? Yeah. That, that's so long ago. With people living in huts and yeah. dirt. <laughs> that's, like... so, that's so weird. Yeah. So I think it was more a case of I didn't find him recognisable because he had a beard. I'd only ever seen him as a younger man with no beard. I definitely recognised him at the time when I saw it. Well, you would have been I a fa- Highlander been, fan. I was about to say, I, I had probably seen him in either Highlander or I want to say I want to say Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if that was too... Was that... Yeah, that was 89. That was 89, yeah. wasn't it? So that would have been out. So yeah. I would have seen him in that. Yeah. And he would have shown up in this and I would have been like, oh, yeah. it's that guy. Like, yeah. you know, it's... Well, just... I hadn't seen the Indiana Jones movies. So, right, okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's... it's Yeah, it, it's it's so great. And he's not even credited. <laughs> he's not even in the credits. No, yeah. But apparently he was paid like a million bucks. Oh, no, maybe I'm confusing that with something else. But he was paid a lot of money for that cameo, I think. Yes. I, I remember him asking a lot of money for, yeah. the, for the cameo. But uh, he probably did what he did with... Um, remember with Diamonds Are Forever? We talked about it in our Bond podcast. Yes. Where he was paid a million dollars... And then turned points on the and back end or something. No, or... no, no. He just donated it all to his like oh, acting course. college, yeah, the Scottish college. students. Yeah, yeah. Like he just gave it all to them. Yeah. So he might have done something similar. He yeah. might have. The credits in this movie are crazy because Mary Elizabeth Mastro Antonio gets the end of the credits. If you if you Well, I thought it was Morgan first. Freeman. 
No, no, no Morgan, it's not. It's no, not, it's, yeah, it's like Kevin Costner. Kevin Morgan, Costner Freeman Morgan Freeman is like Freeman. second or something. Yeah, Kevin Costner, Morgan Freeman. Um, Alan Rickman is just buried Alan in the Rickman. middle somewhere, and and in the end is Mary Elizabeth Master Antonia, and then and Mary Elizabeth Master. Yeah, Antonia. it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's a that's a really like I didn't I wouldn't have thought that Mary Elizabeth Master Antonia had the pull for an and credit, but okay, <laughs> sure. I guess she'd been in some stuff at that she'd point. Been she'd in been in a few in... things, yeah. Uh, but she was a replacement for Robin Wright. Uh, yes, you mentioned, yeah, yeah. AKA so, the... Uh, well, Princess Bride for Princess a start. Princess Bride, yes. but I'm thinking, what's the one with Kevin Spacey that caused all the unpleasantness? House of Cards. Oh, right, yes. And, and also in Wonder Woman, she's the cool auntie warrior yes. lady. Uh, and she's very, very good in that indeed. Yeah. Oh, she's a great, she's a great actor. And it would have been an interesting... Yeah, she, she would have been a good Marion. But I, I feel like... Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio really she's fits great, this movie. I loved her because she was like, I don't know, she just, and her hair is so big and curly. And like, that's her hair. She's got, yeah, she's, she's got not that even wearing a wig. She's had that massive curly hair, which just seemed so, you know, I may have started to try to style my hair like that for a while, Stu. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> oh, she um, was in The Abyss. Like, she was in James Cameron's The Abyss. Oh, okay. Uh, and she was in uh, The Color of Money. Oh, wow. And Scarface. Oh, she wow. was in Scarface, really. And the King of Comedy. Although apparently, no, she was an extra in a crowd scene. Oh. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> you got to start somewhere, Steve. you got to start somewhere, exactly. It's a long but she hadn't, ladder. Yeah, she was in She was in The January Man, uh, The Abyss, Fools of Fortune, uh, Class Action. Again, there was this whole genre of film when we were growing up, which was just mid-budget yeah. thriller slash slice-of-life stories yeah, for adults yeah, yeah. that just Which, doesn't exist anymore. It's all, you, it's all streaming. Like, it's all on streaming. On, yeah, yeah, you'd all put that on TV. That's a, that's a, that's that's, a eight-part limited series your, streaming show. That's your Vera money. <clears throat> that's, that, that's what that is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It would just be like, here's a movie about some stuff that happened as yeah. opposed to here's a massive superhero movie <laughs> exactly. or here's a super niche weird horror. or a, not, that, not that I am complaining about all the superhero movies. No, of I course genuinely not, aren't. But... Of, of course you're not. Of course you're not. So <laughs> I really could talk about this movie for so long, but we do need to wrap up time-wise. So we're, we're at the ranking stage, Stu. Yes. What are we thinking? Well, what are you thinking? Well, because my thing might be less of a surprise to anyone else. <laughs> I think, having looked at my list, my list currently has the Errol Flynn version at the top. And then in second place is the Disney version. I'm really struggling with this. I haven't had, I've had a lot of time. We, we're recording this live immediately after having watched the movie. Yeah. So I haven't had as long to sort of nut it out as Would I normally do. Would you want me do. to talk about how it's going straight in the I mean, I mean, of course. <laughs> you're putting it at number one with a bullet. Like, of course you are. And you know what? It is. I do love the Errol Flynn movie so much. I, yeah. I do. I, I really do. And it could be argued that it's the best of the Robin Hood type. I'm not going to lie about that. But Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves just has so much <laughs> sentimentality. And I, I did this with the Bonds as well. You know, sure. there's got to be a place in here for your heart to sing. Absolutely. As well as your critical mind. Totally. And I think it holds up as a movie. I disagree with the art, the Guardian article. No, the Guardian article will get it a I think if you want to... <laughs> if you Look, it, it's a good, fun, popcorn Hollywood movie. That it's a lot of fun. If you're into history or sword fighting or... Just people with beards and no moustaches and mud huts. <laughs> it's got all of that for That's you. That's it. It's just... The four fun. quadrants. It's the four... Yeah. It's got 
lovely scenery and <coughs> the four quadrants: romance, sword fighting, <laughs> people with beards in, in mud huts. Yeah, but no, specifically beards with no mustaches. <laughs> no, with no mustaches. Just, few... just Abe Lincoln beards. Yeah, yep. just there's a fair few of just the beards, no mustaches. Because it looks, I get it too, because it makes you look out of time. Because sure. Very few people walk around these days. That's it. it it's with, basically reenactors and the Amish. Like, musta- exactly. Yeah. Moustaches come back in and out of style. They do. Beards We're currently having in. a moustache sense at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so, Renestache? <laughs> sure. Renestache? That's possibly a better one. Uh, so, yeah, moustaches come and go. Beards come and go, but beards will always have a moustache of some sort with them. That's it. But the beard without a moustache mm. is... It makes you kind of look a bit like a leprechaun. You know, it's, <laughs> oh, yes. it's got that. It has slightly, an out of time quality yes, to it. Yes, out of time, out of you know, are you a member of the Fae <laughs> kind of feel. So I think that's one of the reasons I get. Let's just get you in. Can you shave your moustache off, and that'll make you look ye oldie. Yeah. Also, wear this sack with another sack on top of it. <laughs> you know how they wear like a tunic sack and then yeah, they've got an extra sack over the, sack over over the, the shoulders yeah. for a bit of extra warmth. Yeah. So it's a two sack day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but look, it's realistic. It's, you know, people are wearing clothes that one would not seem to be out of place in the time. Like, I'm Yeah, sure. I, I don't know how... Maybe people didn't wear sacks as often. I was going to say, I feel like there's a lot more... Weirdly, there's a lot more like leather in this movie than I feel like would actually have been worn. There's a lot of... Well, I think we need to wait till the Taron Egerton one. That's true. I think, That's I think true. that looks like a BDSM film yeah. <laughs> by comparison. There's a lot of, there's a lot of yeah, yeah. shaped leather. It, I think it makes Robin gear. Hood look like the Errol Flynn version. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I remember that being a thing at the time, which is like, oh, it's Robin Hood, but no tights for Kevin Costner. Yeah. like, no, this is a realistic I mean, film. Big deal. He's wearing trousers, yeah. people. It's like you couldn't... You couldn't do that in 1991. Like, no, you would in, be laughed out of the theater. In 1938 so. was a different time when you're doing way more of that fantastical Robin Hood. That's it. And there's just no way that someone like Kevin Costner would go, yeah, okay, I'll wear tights. <laughs> it's like, it's just not a thing. It's it just would never not a happened. thing that happens. No. So, yeah. So where do you well, think on your list? On, on my list, look, look. Can I influence I you? I can't. I, I think you've dragged it up a spot because I was, I was toying with the idea of putting it behind the Disney... Uh, Robin Hood. Oh, stupid. And I was like, look, even I can't do that. As much as I love the Disney version, as much <laughs> as much genuine nostalgia as oh, I yeah. have for that movie, it's still a pretty dodgy, you know, <laughs> animated film from Disney's it's fellow a second period. Tier, yeah. It's definitely a second tier Disney title. So I guess this goes in second place because I just can't, you can't dethrone the adventures of Robin Hood. Look. Like, it's a classic. It, it is it's, a classic. It's, the, it's one of the classics. It's a it's a golden age, it's a untouchable masterpiece. Really it's a proper genius film. Yeah. But... I, and I totally understand why you have put Prince of Thieves... I just have to. ...ahead of it. I have to. It's a good, it's a good movie and better than its reputation suggests. I think so. Yeah. I think I think that's a really... I think that if you were to sit down and watch it... And, and yeah, there's just a few people who like to tease me about it over the years... Um, I don't think anyone who maybe listens to this podcast, but a few <laughs> people will... No, people who listen to this podcast are discerning. They are. Geniuses. Yes. All of them, to a T. <laughs> um, but some people just like to... I think, I think people start with, oh, it's Kevin Costner and it's a Hollywood movie and he's speaking in an American accent. And they don't sit down to think about, well, what about all the other elements? What about the fact that you can watch this for two hours 20 mm. and to me this flew it's by faster than yeah. most others, you know? Absolutely. It, it's it's just super fun and it makes me go want to be an outlaw and <laughs> ride bareback through Sherwood Forest. Yeah. 
also, you know, have a horse ride. Hey! <laughs> hey saying uh ladies and gentlemen that brings us i guess to the end of the robin hood prince of these i'm sure we will discuss more about it next time yes. because we will be doing robin hood men in tights yes this is a hell of a trilogy we've done where we've gone the john virgin <laughs> patrick virgin. Uh, pa- patrick virgin uh you know kevin robin costner. hood kevin costner and now yeah. the Mel Brooks. Carrie Yules. Carrie Wells. Or Yules or Elwes? Elwes. Elwes? Elwes. I always We should figure say... that out before we before yeah. next week. I always used to say Ewels. But yes, yeah, so he um obviously Robin Hood Prince of Thieves is the main one that they rip off. Yeah. But they do rip off. That they go the old fling. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a general Robin Hood parody. Yeah. yeah. With a few other little tidbits thrown in, but it's yeah, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. So there'll be lots of things that I'm sure we'll bring up uh, that we'll have forgotten because I was so excited doing the minute challenge. I didn't get out as much as I'd like to. And I didn't take notes. I forgot to take notes. I was going to take notes through the whole thing. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to call in and we strongly recommend you do so because Please we do. love feedback uh, at girl clumsy on Twitter is me and at uh, disco stew on Twitter is him over there. Um, I was trying to do a to Ronnie's thing. And it didn't quite... <laughs> it's a good night for me. We got that. We got that. Uh, if you are a follower on Patreon, thank you so much. You are the angels. You are the the divine. You are the you are the the the, the beauteous mayhem spirit of Alan Rickman, Sheriff of Nottingham, come to life. <laughs> That's how glorious you are. Patreon.com slash girlclumsy is the Patreon and also uh, we're on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne. And we will have more Robin on. We'll probably wrap up Robin on in time for House of the Dragon. Um, And the other thing is Sandman is coming out at some point. It is. It's also coming out in August. So this is the thing. I I had great plans that we could do Sandman. We could do uh, Game of Thrones. We could also do uh, the new Amazon Lord of the Rings show. Because they're all sort of in our wheelhouse. They're all going to be out. At about the same time because yeah. that's how these things work. They all want to try and cut each other's lunch. Yep. So I think we're going to focus on House of the Dragon yep. and if we can get well, around Sandman, to some sort of recap sort of thing. Sandman is all going to drop on Netflix at once. So, it is. That's you know, true. people so, are going to... Yeah, we, we, I mean, we would probably have to do some sort of wrap-up podcast of that one anyway. Yeah, or we do sort of like a capsule podcast yeah. where we do a quick, you know, half you, an hour. Are you familiar with Sandman? Have you read the We've comments? We've talked about this. No, I'm not. No, I, yeah. I know it's about he's the dude who's he's death or dreaming or he's something. The, he's the Lord of Dreams. He's Lord of Dreams. Yeah, yes. yeah. He's, he's, you know, Mr. The king, Sandman. The king of stories. Exactly. Bring me a dream. Da, 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 da. <laughs> or the Metallica Sandman one. That's yes, exactly. That, that, yeah. That's the Sandman experience. Put, put, put both of those songs together and you get the general gist of what oh, that show okay. is going to be, actually. Oh, yeah, nice. that's, that's a good that's sort of... That's a good yeah. shortcut. Yeah. So, yeah, so we will um, talk about maybe that, whether it's a, a quick thing, but it is in the lead up to House of the Dragon. So House of the Dragon is our focus because obviously Absolutely. we are Game of Thrones we're, fans. We're, at the end of the day, this is a Game of Thrones it's, podcast, it's remember? The yeah. It's the OG. It's the OG. So we need, to, we need to be on it. So that will be our weekly um, thing from August through September. And a good, and a good thing it is. Indeed. I'm thing. looking forward to it. It's going to be great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Stu. I very much appreciate your time and your hospitality. 
pleasure as, as we wa- watched Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. Uh, this was really good fun. So yeah, get some friends around and watch Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. You, know you won't have a bad time. You will have a, the best time. You'll it's have so fun. Alright. And with that, as we always like to say when we finish the podcast... We'll see you in Sherwood Forest! Forest. <laughs> 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 and call off Christmas! <laughs>